Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Mind your business only on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to the breakfast show. The implementation of cooling measures in the Singapore property market, such as additional buyer stamp duties, a 15 month waiting period, and loan restrictions, may have prompted some Singaporeans to explore overseas investments. These measures designed to stabilise and regulate the local real estate sector could have made overseas properties more appealing. Investors may see opportunities for potentially higher returns or find less stringent regulations abroad, leading to a strategic shift in response to the evolving landscape of the Singaporean property market. But as with all investments, there are risks involved, especially for landlords who are not based here. And this raises important questions. Which countries' properties do Singaporeans invest in? And how can they invest in overseas properties with a peace of mind? To help us answer some of those questions, we have on the line with us now Rachel Ho, Senior Manager for International Residential Sales from Savills, Singapore. Rachel, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for inviting me to be on Money FM today. You're most welcome. Glad to have you on. Rachel, it's been almost a year now since the last round of cooling measures kicked in. Have you seen a rise in investor interest and investment in overseas properties? Yes, definitely. I think that uh, as a cause of the ABSD, it is like a ripple effect. A lot of clients are now coming to us and asking more about overseas properties and from a segment that perhaps previously we weren't more familiar with. So these are the group of people like uh, HDB upgraders or like our middle class clients. Our clients usually used to be from middle upper to upper class because, you know, buying overseas properties, you need um, additional cash. So this segment is the, is the segment that usually comes to us to inquire. But more recently, we see uh, new, new investors coming to us to ask. And uh, more of them are also attending our events to find out more on purchasing overseas properties. So, for example, year to date, comparing last year and this year, January, February, where usually this is a low season for us because, you know, it is the new year, people are returning uh, from holiday uh, and also returning to work, then followed quickly by Chinese New Year. So, these two months are usually a low season for us. But we have experienced that compared last year to this year, we have more than five times the number of transactions, sales transactions that was concluded. So this shows to us that people are really coming out more in asking and there's a heavier appetite in uh, overseas properties. Yeah, lots of appetite when it comes to overseas Mm. properties. So Rachel, where are Singaporeans flocking to? What makes these properties attractive? So um, I think the top three countries that Singaporeans usually come to us to inquire about, the top one will be definitely UK. So this is the likes of London and your Manchester. Uh, I think Singaporeans are familiar with this country. You know, we go there for holidays um, and a large aspect of it is also due to education. Some of them, they have children who might go there uh, in the future to study in the university. So half of them are thinking, you know, they want to purchase something for investment, but maybe in the future, their child can go there to stay instead of renting. So UK is definitely the top and followed closely by Australia because it is closer to home. Australia also doesn't lack in terms of uh, education. So and some of the clients that are asking uh, for Australia 
maybe want to retire there someday. So there's a second top choice. And more recently, uh, Japan has been coming along quite popular. I think because Singaporeans love Japan, we go there for holidays, we love the food, and now the exchange rate is really, really very beneficial for those that are wanting to invest in Japan properties. All right. Can you give us a sense of what some of the tax obligations and other liabilities Mm -hmm. are for properties, perhaps in the countries you've mentioned? Sure. Uh, Just to caveat that I am not a tax advisor, but of course, there are a lot of taxes involved in the various countries that I've mentioned. So I think uh, for a buyer, if you really want to delve into this, right, go and speak to a reputable um, broker who has done a lot of work in the country before and also speak to a professional tax advisor. But certain tax obligations that a buyer needs to be aware, like for example, certain countries have inheritance tax that Mm. Singapore doesn't have. So this concept might not be familiar to some. For example, Japan inheritance tax is 10 to 55% and UK is 40%. So just be mindful when you're purchasing a property, Mm. make sure you do your homework and find out what are the various taxes involved. Because not only uh, is there inheritance tax, there's also income tax as well as capital gains tax and also stamp duties. So certain stamp duties from uh, different countries differ. So really just check and do your homework before going to buy a property overseas. Yeah, Rachel, talking about doing your homework, let's talk about some risks involved when you invest in overseas properties because these are overseas and you can't just easily walk to the next street around the corner to look at your property. It's quite far away. So walk us through some of the biggest risks we should be considering. Yes, exactly right. Um, I think that's a, that's a quite interesting point you mentioned because what we see here in Singapore, for those owners who have multiple properties, like an investment property, their investment property is really just down the street, somewhere where they're familiar and they can go check on their property. But overseas, of course, you can't do that. Um, I think the most important thing to mitigate this risk is to engage a reputable broker, real estate broker, somebody that you trust, that you know that you're buying from a reputable firm. So one of the things to consider here is also the property itself, right? Like how it is built, whether it is constructed to good specifications. So buyers can, of course, mitigate this risk by buying through a reputable developer with a good track record. So for example, some developers that Singaporeans are familiar with, like FEC or UOL, these developers have projects overseas. Of course, if you are buying from them, you know, Singaporeans will have a sense of familiarity. But of course, that's not to say that the local overseas developers are not good. Some of them are listed on the London Stock Exchange. They are FTSE 100 companies. They do not lack in their offerings. So, for example, for London, we have the likes of uh, Berkeley or Ballymore. Um, they have good track record. They have produced multiple developments in their portfolio. So, as a buyer, you can actually take reference to what they have produced before to know that what you're buying will be delivered in the best of standards. So, that's one, buying the actual property itself. And this will help save 
clients money in the long term because if you know that you're buying a good product, you're saving money, you don't need to worry about your know, things breaking down, you need to go and pump in money to go and like replace you know certain cabinet things because these are not good workmanship that was delivered to you. So this gives you money in the long run if you purchase from a good developer. So not just that, but of course, after you purchase a property, uh, you have to engage a good property management company. Now, this is where Seville can come in as well. We can help you to manage your property and let out your property for you. So because you're not there to uh, manage your property yourself, so you need somebody trustworthy, somebody with a good network to help you. All right. Seeking out a reputable property developer mm. and property management company, definitely yes. good pieces of advice. But even if you were to do that, investors can still face other challenges such as delayed rental processes or perhaps even navigating complex political and economic landscapes depending on where you choose to invest. Could you share any case studies or examples of such challenges investors may have faced? Yep. So I think in order to answer this question, so going back to my point on the good property management company, I think a lot of the cases um, we can actually try to to avoid in the first instance. Like for example, Seville's when we try to get a tenant for you, we do our checks. So uh, we do finance checks on the tenant and we do credit score checks as well as uh, checking their occupation to ensure that the tenant that we put into your property would be somebody of good standards, that somebody that will not be uh, default on the rent. So half of these problems actually are thrown out the window because we have filtered the tenants so to speak. So I think if you engage in a property management company to help you, um, try to go with that stance as well. And if they are good in their job, what they will do is tell the owners to get a house a housing insurance at the very beginning. So this will also help in any circumstances. Like for example, if during COVID, for example, I had a letting colleague tell me that one of the clients faced difficulty because the tenant did not manage to, to continue in his job. He was let go, so he doesn't have the ability to repay his rent. And things like that can be mitigated because there is a housing insurance. So that's when the uh, owner can actually activate that to get some rent back when there's arrears. So these are the things, uh, challenges that can be mitigated as well in this aspect. Yeah, there are a lot of calculations we have to figure out when we are investing in overseas properties. Now, one of the things we need to, I guess, secure is getting what you pointed out, a trusted property management company. So when you look at the budget, know your calculations, how much mm-hmm. should we be paying for such services? What can we expect when we put together the budget for investing in properties overseas? Yeah, yeah I think there, yes, there's definitely um, a lot of other costs involved as well. So for this, right, uh, it really depends on where you're purchasing the property and uh, where the property management company is located in. So I can give you an example. For example, in London, our service fees are usually about 15% plus VAT for rental. In Singapore terms, you know, usually the real estate agents, we charge a one-month rent for two years tenancy. Mm. But in London, it's the opposite, where, whereas uh, it's one month rent for one year's uh, service fees. So why is that the case? Is because we're not just finding a tenant for you. It's, it's just property management, right? It's really all-inclusive service. 
So this includes things like finding a furniture package for you to do multi-level marketing, do the defects checks for you. So because of additional services, that's why the fees are increased. But usually as a general rule of thumb, I would um, you know, tell the clients, put aside at least two months rental to pay for all the different allocated costs that would be incurred for your investment property. So, Rachel, this would include transaction costs like legal fees, stamp duty, as well as operating costs like insurance and maintenance fees as well? Yes, there's a lot of costs, some that you've mentioned. So, I think for stamp duty, we we usually put it as an acquisition cost. So, acquisition costs, uh, you know, it's like a a one-time cost when you do your purchase of your property. Um, Stamp duty is one of them. We also have got the mortgage fees. So, if you are applying for a mortgage, you know, and you get a broker to get a loan for you, there is some fees involved. Um, like I mentioned, the furniture package. Some rental properties, they do want it fully furnished before renting it out. So you need to put in a furniture package, which your lettings agent might help you with. And of course, legal costs as well. So all these are the acquisitional costs. And then not forgetting, you have your holding costs. So holding costs, things like property management and lettings fees, you know, your ongoing taxes, like your income tax that you need to file. And if you are engaging an accounting firm to help you to do this, you need to pay certain fees as well. And not forgetting the maintenance fee or service charges that you need to pay for the property. So these are the costs that a buyer needs to factor in. Then again, it really varies from country to country and property to property. So I can't give a figure or percentage offhand. Mm. But, you know, a good broker will be able to do the sums for you. So sit down together and do the sums and see whether it makes sense to purchase a overseas properties for, you know, investment or whatever the reason for purchasing is. Yeah, lots of homework to do when you want to invest in overseas properties. Rachel, when we are looking to invest, or even buy properties overseas, what are some of the important considerations to take note of? You know, who is the typical property investor? Okay, I think um, usually the property investors that come to us, uh, they are quite savvy. We, we see that they own multiple properties in Singapore already and they are looking for the next one, right? Uh, going back to your very first question, the ABSE really is a little bit high in Singapore at the moment. So some of the clients now want to diversify, so they are looking at other countries. So some of the important considerations to, to consider when buying overseas properties. I think for myself, if I were to purchase one, I would buy a new build, meaning a, a new built condo, maybe something even off plan. Now, there's some reasons to that. One is because I have a peace of mind. I know that it's new, it's not old. I don't need to worry about renovation and hidden costs of the property that I'm unaware of. Um, usually, new build will come with warranty, maybe one year or two years internally. And of course, new build, usually if you purchase off plan, you know, you are coming down with a little bit of deposit upfront only, and then you're waiting for it to complete before you pay the rest of the money. So it gives you more runway in that sense. So apart from all this, there are five tips that I would like to share with our listeners today. So the first thing is when you're buying something, right? Similar to Singapore, you buy for its location, for its connectivity, So whether it is buying in UK or buying in Australia, uh, the location, the connectivity to uh, the public transport is very important. You know, buy in, um, if you could afford, buy in the prime locations. But if not, 
uh, buy-in locations where there's definitely good connectivity to bring you to the centre of the city quickly. The second is, um, like I've mentioned, buying the product itself, new build, buying from a good developer, buying something that is new, so that would help ease you know, any worries that may come down the line because it is something that is new. The third is, Take note of the capital growth. Buy in somewhere that, you know, has room for growth, areas that are still regenerating, you know, maybe not so mature yet. And the fourth one is, of course, yields. If you are looking to purchase an investment property, yields are very important. So which areas have good tenants that will give you good rentals to bring up your yields? That's one. And definitely, last but not least, your exit plan. Is this property that you're purchasing uh, resellable? Who are the people that will purchase your property in the future? Are there families or, you know, white-collar workers nearby that are ready buyers to purchase in? So these are the five points. Location, product, capital growth, yield, and your exit plan. So ensure that you have all these points covered, and I think you're good to go to purchase an overseas property. That was Rachel Ho helping us break down some of the factors you should consider before venturing to foreign shores to buy property. Rachel, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you so much. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.